0: to another episode of the Water Women podcast. My name is Jill, and I'm the host and creator of this podcast. Today, I got to sit down with Holly Richmond, one of my good friends from Australia. Holly is one of the most genuine people I've ever met, and she's so passionate about the ocean and what she does. Today, she's going to talk to you guys all about why she helped make this documentary titled The Sharknet Films. Let's jump in. Hi Holly, welcome to the Water Woman podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an awesome opportunity. I met you when I was doing my internship down in Gold Coast and I was just taken back by you and how much you love the ocean just in general. It's just you're very obvious with are passion about it, which is great.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely um, my biggest passion. Absolutely.
0: Did you know that you always wanted to be like growing up? Were you always kind of like, I want to be somewhere near the ocean. I want to be involved in the ocean. Or did you find it later on in life?
1: Yeah, growing up, um, my family and I, we did a lot of traveling around Australia. So I was very, um, I believe, very close to nature throughout my upbringing, which probably um, led to me being very connected to nature, having a respect for nature, and being in love with animals. So I guess that's sort of my upbringing and maybe why I am so passionate about um, our environment. Um, in terms of ocean, like I was always a really strong swimmer, would always be out there in the waves. Um, but in terms of diving and snorkeling, that's something that generally came a little bit later. So during school, we did a few uh, like snorkeling trips and things like that when I was studying and I did some family holidays as well but once I started university was when I really started to get into free diving and get into yeah. scuba diving and that just um powered that passion even more
0: definitely and it's just you're so lucky to live where you do that you have such beautiful places to go snorkeling and diving it's beautiful there like unreal almost
1: yeah absolutely yeah <laughs>
0: That's for sure. So can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got involved in the ocean?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, basically, I am a marine biologist, so I spent the last three years studying um, a marine biology degree at university. And throughout that time of studying, I did loads of volunteer work. So um, obviously, being very passionate about the ocean and about um, conservation, I wanted to get involved in a lot of different organizations and sort of um, put my hand out to help wherever is needed. And um, one of those organizations um, that I was heavily involved in for the past four years was working as a research assistant uh, for humpbacks and high-rises. So on the Gold Coast, that's basically where we monitor um, the behavior and the migration pathways and identifying individual whales um, that migrate past the east coast of Australia so I was heavily involved in that uh for a couple of years and that only just powered my passion for the ocean and for animals and in particular um marine animals so uh that definitely was uh a really amazing part um of my journey and uh so basically through learning about humpback whales particularly on the gold coast uh I learned a little bit about humpback whale entanglements and shark nets, and that was um, something that I didn't know too much about, and I sort of wanted to learn more about what these shark nets were doing. Yeah, you
0: came out with a documentary called the Sharknet film. So, can you tell us a little bit about what the shark nets are, what their uh, in quotations purpose is, and why they're there, and why you felt the need to make this documentary?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, getting to know a little bit about humpback whales and humpback whale entanglements led me to sort of question okay, what are the purpose of shark nets? What are they? What are they doing there? Um, so, I, I did a lot of research um, beforehand to learn about what they are. So, in Queensland, shark nets and drum lines have been installed since 1962. And basically, a shark net is roughly about 200 meters so they're 186 meters long and approximately about four meters deep and they're basically like a big gill net so it's like a normal mesh net um with 50 centimeter uh mesh size holes in uh the net so basically along queensland um there's 27 shark nets along the coastline and 383 drum lines so a drum line is a baited hook um, that is there to capture and to kill sharks. So um, it's really important to learn about shark nets, I guess because my original understanding was that shark nets were there as a barrier or they were there as a wall to keep sharks out like like an enclosure. Um, but they're not in fact so along the coastline obviously a 200 meter long net um, isn't at all a wall or a barrier or an enclosure to protect swimmers. It's actually there to capture and to kill sharks. So it is a fishing device that they've used um, to reduce the likelihood of a shark interaction, um, in particular a negative shark interaction, by capturing that shark first, hopefully. But um, being only uh, approximately 200 metres long, there's about – I calculated on the Gold Coast in particular about two to three kilometers between each net. So being a shark and migrating thousands of kilometers each year, um, dependent on the species, the 200 meters isn't gonna, um, It doesn't cover too much catch. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. <laughs> Learning about these, I just got more and more into it. And so shark nets are there to capture and to kill sharks and, um, so yeah getting to chat to the general public and to friends and family I began to understand that not many people knew that and not many people know exactly what they are a lot of people think that they're a whole net a whole wall across the entire coastline to protect swimmers and there's all these crazy bizarre theories that people have um and misconceptions they have of not only shark nets but also about sharks and about their biology and about um their patterns and Um, their interactions with humans as well so all of this I began to gain further interest in and sort of was overwhelmed by um, everybody's thoughts and I thought okay well how can I help teach people how can I help save people and save sharks and through that was just purely education and um, I did a spent about two years with a team and myself going out there and filming the animals and filming exactly what is caught in the shark nets I wanted to see for myself okay what's actually happening out there you know you can look at the statistics online but I wanted to see things in the flesh I wanted to see how these animals were caught what size of these animals what sex of these animals I really wanted to know all about the details and I feel like the only way I was able to do that was to go out there myself so um, doing that after two years of monitoring. I discovered so so much and I I knew that I had to share this to the public and through that I chose to do um, with the use of film and technology so getting out there to the media and to the general public um, through social media and um, other avenues is in a form of a short documentary just so people can um, learn about it yeah.
0: It's amazing. It is like your documentary actually brought me to tears. Like I remember laying in my bed, watching it and just thinking like, wow, like this is like, it's one thing to read about the statistics and hear like, Oh, like this is happening, but to see it is just almost,
1: it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. I think people don't realize when, um, and the prime example is humpback whales. When a humpback whale gets entangled in a shark net, um, you know, everybody's concerned obviously for this whale but when that whale gets um, disentangled and is set free it's almost like a, a celebration everybody's like hooray the whales free but it's it's so much more than just that it's all of that stress or whether it be a mother and a calf and um, that stress for that bond between that relationship um, you know any permanent scarring so like um, external scarring from the net rubbing or whether the net was rubbing on one of their eyes and could lead to um, some damage in their vision, uh, maybe traumatised in that migration of coming close to shore or, hey, last time I got entangled, I might stay further offshore, which could be dangerous for them or dangerous for juveniles as well. So it's so much more deeper than what we think. Um, And that goes for turtles, that goes for rays and for dolphins. It um, absolutely plays a, a much bigger part in the survival of these animals regardless if they are released alive or not
0: absolutely and it is like the whale entanglements is such a big one but we often forget about the other species that get tangled in there like it's the whales are so publicized but there's so many other species that are affected by these nets that are often forgotten in that shadow almost of the larger animals
1: absolutely yep totally and animals that we often yeah forget have um you know their own um behavior assets or um their own relationships between species like um learning more about ray species a lot of people sort of roll their eyes at stingrays and rays but if you get to know an individual ray species they do massive migrations they do different um courting behaviors mating behaviors like it's amazing these animals they're just just like humans and just because we don't um, see them every day or understand them as clearly as what we do with each other or speak their language doesn't mean um, they're any less of it of a being than what we are um, despite their size.
0: You can't think of them as like just these animals like they're an integral part of every ecosystem and like the oceans are their home and we're just in their home so the fact that they're getting caught up in something that's there because of us in their home is just so heartbreaking to me.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that was the biggest mental struggle going out there for about two years. And, you know, you feel responsible and you feel sorry. And yeah, absolutely. You feel guilty that humans have done this. Yeah.
0: There was one moment in your documentary that really stuck with me and it's uh, not early on, but it's in the first half of it. You're out there and there's two loggerheads that are stuck in the net and they're still alive and you're like the part where you're on the jet ski crying broke my heart because you can just see how passionate you are about this and how much you want to help them
1: yeah definitely re-watching that footage just brings back a whole lot of memories and yeah many memories that will probably never be forgotten so um yeah it's just that feeling of um going out there and seeing something and and watching it struggle is the worst just watching it confused or watching it trying to help itself but almost entangling itself further so it's making it um, more difficult for this animal and um, in Queensland we have a law that you're not allowed to interfere with the shark control program so you are not allowed to cut any animals out of the net you're not allowed to release any animals um, that have been caught on drum lines that you're not allowed to touch this program at all so um, that feeling of wanting to help but knowing that I could potentially um, ruin the whole project if I were to disentangle this animal and get caught and get a fine. Um, you know, it, it could, I knew it could ruin the project. So um, we would always um, call fisheries or call SeaWorld who would actually come out and help release these animals. And um, I was very lucky in most cases that a lot of the animals that we did find were still alive um, or they were dead. It was very rare that we would find an animal that would pretty much have to be euthanized because it just wasn't going to survive. Um, and yeah, so we did find a lot of animals that we got to see be released as well. But at the same time, um, there is a private contractor that goes out every two days, well, supposed to go out every two days. Um, we learned that that often didn't happen. Um, We're dependent as well, um, but we did notice that they didn't go out every two days. And when we would be out there we would be able to be a voice for those animals. We'd be able to call the fisheries hotline. We'd be able to call SeaWorld and say, hey, there is an animal here. Please come and get it. So um, that animal might have died because fisheries might not have been out two days later and it only takes 20 minutes for like a stress, stressed animal to die. For example, a turtle or a dolphin, it doesn't take long for them to get completely entangled and, um, Have that limited access to the surface to breathe. So, um, yeah, it was really important the work that we were doing. And seeing two turtles in one net, yeah, was never had never seen two turtles in one net before, or even two turtles in one day. And during that time was uh, early December, and that's a really um, prime time for sea turtles um, to be mating. Um, and having their hatchlings and everything it's the breeding season so one was a male one was a female so I honestly think that these two lovebirds were hanging out and maybe one got caught and then next second the other one got caught so um, yeah it was almost it was very very sad because I almost think that that was probably the situation that had happened Um, especially them being close to shore um, at that time of year as well.
0: It's just so heartbreaking. Like you want to be out there helping, but anything like not much is gonna help in the short run. It is a good thing that you can call fisheries in SeaWorld, which is a point I wanna bring up that SeaWorld for you guys, probably people listening to this are probably gonna think like, oh, SeaWorld, because it's got a little bit of a bad rap here. But your Sea SeaWorld does great work for like helping with entanglements and stuff like that. So that is very exciting to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And through this whole journey that I've been on with um, the shark nets and this film is the biggest thing that I have learned and one of the biggest messages that are sort of hidden underneath um, in the film is about that we all need to work together and that you know we often judge organizations or people from the outside and we don't take that extra time to learn more about them or to be and to have an open mind so getting to know SeaWorld in this um, operation as well was so so important because they play such a vital role they go out there at their own expenses at their own um, staff member risks obviously um, rescuing whales is so dangerous as well Um, at their own cost um, all of that is down to that company down to that organization that they have that with their research and rescue foundation they are coming out to help those animals and they're helping animals uh, that aren't necessarily endangered as well so fisheries will only come out to release an endangered turtle dolphin or whale they won't come out for a non-endangered species or they won't come out for an endangered ray for example um when sea world on the other hand will they generally have that care and passion and that's something that um that I was really proud of to see um within SeaWorld that they um were there to help and you know they were there understanding um sort of the position that I was playing going out there and checking them and I frequently um would call them and they'd come out to release them um as well. But it's important that um SeaWorld contact fisheries first. So SeaWorld, just like all of us, we're not allowed to interfere with the program um, say what do have to ask permission uh to be able to to interfere and to help re- release an animal um obviously in obviously most cases fisheries would um allow that to happen as well
0: which is nice to have that compassion for the animals that it's just almost like human nature to have like it's another animal you want to save it no matter what
1: yeah exactly and who else who else is going to do it who else if if fish fisheries won't come out i can't do anything um, as much as I would absolutely love to, but you know, like who else is going to do it, and who else is going to help rehabilitate these animals, um, turtles? Or um, when I interviewed SeaWorld, they told me about a a dolphin named Kingy and he, this dolphin, was almost had both of his pectoral fins sliced off just from continuously trying to get out of this net, and they rehabilitated this animal um, and released this animal. Um, I think that was, they were caught, um, on the, oh, I can't remember exactly the details of that um, individual, but yeah, it, it was just amazing to see that they would come and rehabilitate these animals and also then um, release those animals as well um, for a second chance of life.
0: It's a huge moral debate for you out there because you want to just cut them out of the net right away, but not being able to must be
1: just the worst feeling. Yeah, that, that is the hardest part is driving away. Um, yeah, that it that is definitely the hardest part. Yeah,
0: it was a absolutely like beautiful documentary. The filming was amazing. You guys got so many beautiful underwater shots. It must have been fun to film some of those and get to be in the water while still being serious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I um, went out with my friends. Like I was out there all the time. And if we wouldn't, if we didn't find an animal. We just make the most of a beautiful sunny day and blue waters. We'd go out um, for a bit of a free dive, um, so it was it was absolutely lo- there were really fun times as well um, with the support from my friends, um, and also a lot of the amazing shots in the documentary came from Drishti videography. So Drishti were absolutely the the. Um, backbone of this film so I had this idea I had this passion I had um, my friends out there filming these underwater shots of the animals but I needed somebody to put my vision into play and to have someone put it all together Um, so that that came through with Drishti Videography and they were able to uh, Drishti Studios sorry the name has changed now um, they helped me with that and they were to piece it all together with that, um, emotive part and with the, um, animation part for the statistics, all of it came together, um, because of these guys. So that was really awesome. Um, and yeah, definitely so, so grateful for having amazing friends who are, um, comfortable in the water, who are comfortable with me and my crazy adventures on big swell days. And I'm still passionate to get out there and have a look and see what's in the nets. Um, uh, and all of the equipment as well, all the underwater footage. Um, a lot of that came from very passionate friends of mine as well.
0: It took my breath away watching it. like
1: beautiful. Mm, thank you.
0: <laughs> so what like you obviously want to educate people for this, but what like what do you hope comes of it? Like education, and then how can education help? Like what's got gonna change?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the power of the people. So um, this being a very political and like a government um, sort of affiliated um, decision of whether they remove shark nets or you know replace them with other um, alternatives and hopefully non lethal, all of that comes from the people. So especially the political side as well. Politicians listen to people and what they want. So if we Educate ourselves, and if we learn about this program and about what alternatives that we can have as well, um, and the damage that it is doing, and the fact that it's actually not there's no scientific evidence for them to actually protect swimmers at the beach. Um, The more people that learn about this with their education, um, the more that people can speak up, and the more that people will have an educated view and opinion um, to vote towards um, that positive change to removing these um, devices out of the net. So um, definitely uh, education is key with this, yeah.
0: Is there anything like immediate action people can do to help, like anywhere to donate or anything that people can do to help this cause?
1: Yeah, yep, so um, making the film, I purely just wanted to get it out there so people can um, see it for themselves and learn about it themselves. So the biggest thing is First of all, if you haven't seen the film yet, absolutely jump on YouTube, jump on um, our website or jump on Vimeo and just type in thesharknetfilm.com or just search The Sharknet Film. Um, we'll be on YouTube and just watch it for yourself. Spend 30 minutes, take that time to really open your mind up and um, learn a bit and take in exactly what's um, being said. And along with that comes with making it a conversation. So talking to people, talking to your friends and family, asking them questions like, "Oh, did you know that we had shark nets, or did you know in Australia there's shark nets, or that they're culling sharks to keep um, try and keep humans safer from sharks?" And making this a conversation is really, really going to make a really big impact. So it's going to educate more viewers. It's going to make people be more interested and want to um, learn more about it and, and watch the film themselves. And um, in relation to donations, um, I'm not a current organization that um, is receiving donations like I said I did this um, out of my own passion out of my own back pocket to help educate people and the smallest favor that I can ask for people is just educate yourself and then educate other people and a lot of people tend to get a little bit scared of that word education because a lot of us like to just kind of live in our bubble and go along um, with our everyday lives but it's so so important um, to inspire other people um, Or just, you know, next time somebody sees something on the news about a shark incident or an entanglement incident with a whale, just making that a bit more of a conversation and just talking and just sharing um, the insights that you have learned through this film or through some of the research that you might have done or through this podcast even. Um, So definitely just spreading that word, spreading that message.
0: Absolutely. It's one of those things that's like, it might be uncomfortable to talk about, but there's the things that are uncomfortable to talk about are things you should talk about because it means you need to address them and uh, there's absolutely. probably something wrong with them. Yep, absolutely, yep. As tourists or as people who aren't familiar with wildlife or marine life, they're put out there that they're there to protect you and they're for your benefit, but really they don't, like they're not doing much. They're not helping.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, you're... It's, Going to the beach, and if you are a little bit scared of sharks, like that's totally okay. Like, we all have that fear, like, no one is shark proof. But (laughs) going to the beach and thinking in your mind, Oh, there's a protective measure here, there are shark nets, and there are you know, um, drum lines here, I'm going to be safe. I think it's really important to get out of that frame of mind if people are in that frame of mind, um, and more think of, Hey, I'm more likely to drown at this beach than to be bitten by a shark. I'm more likely to have a car crash and die fatally in there on the way to the beach as well. So there are so many other different things that can statistically be more likely for us to die than to be bitten or have a negative encounter with a shark. So I believe a lot of people just purely don't know. A lot of people on the Gold Coast purely don't know that we even have shark nets. So a lot of people, that tourists that come to the Gold Coast, I still believe that majority of people don't even know that we have those measures in place and people obviously don't know about the lethal measures and exactly what they're doing and the harm to the ecosystem. But if people do know about them, people do have that false sense of security of thinking that it is a wall or thinking that it's there to deter the sharks. So there are so many different misconceptions that are hopefully yet to be explained as people share this message.
0: It is definitely an education thing. Cause I remember when I first arrived, I would see those like bright yellow buoys out in the distance. And I kind of was like, Oh, like, I wonder what those are, but never really like asked anyone. And then it came up once at one of the humpbacks and high rises meetings, you talked about the shark nets, and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I had no idea that that's what it was. And it was just there. And like, you, it's not really like oh just so you know like that's a shark net out there it's just kind of like if you know about it you know about it and then you might get this false sense of security
1: absolutely yeah I don't think I'm yet to look at a beach the same anymore without looking out on the horizon and seeing some um a boy a buoy there I call them boys but I noticed you call them (laughs) I was like I don't know I call them boys I think that's just the accent difference (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah seeing out there them out there is um yeah really horrible to see and you know people are swimming and I just wonder if they if they know what that is um yeah yeah or maybe what's um caught in that exactly you've
0: had a lot of these sad moments out on the water seeing these animals entangled but you've also seen your share of beautiful sights on the water I'm sure because you do so much diving and snorkeling do you have a favorite thing you've ever seen or like kind of like one of your top moments in the water? Um,
1: I think it's, I know we were sort of trying to stay away from the negative. Um, but the biggest sort of moment underwater for me was being in the water with the whale. And even though that, yeah, it, it was wrapped in this net, a part of me was still just trying to digest what I was seeing that this huge animal and this was only like a seven meter whale. This was not, this was a juvenile. This was not a big whale. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking at it underwater and just the magnitude of that animal and looking into its eyes and just. Getting to like, connect with it. Yeah. Feeling like that. They're just like me, that they yeah. are just another animal. And I guess every time I go diving, I really value those moments when you look into turtles' eyes or just um, even just looking at fish and watching them um, around like their little ecosystems. It's like a whole city down there. Like <laughs>
0: It really is.
1: Yeah, and I think every moment that I have in the water is so valuable to me with the way that it makes me feel and just watching. I just love watching the animals um, coexisting with each other and watching them. Um, live their daily lives just I can't get
0: over like when I'm diving in Australia especially when I was snorkeling it was almost like I can't hold my breath long enough to appreciate this beauty Mm. because like I could be down there for over a minute and I'm still like yeah like I'm just getting into free diving so like I'm not having long breath holds yet but like even like the longest I could stay down there I was like I don't want to go to the surface yet I want to be down here forever
1: it's just yeah. so beautiful yeah and that's what makes it so addictive because you just want to yeah. you want to be a mermaid you want to live under that you <laughs> want to watch all of this unfold you just want to learn more um yeah it I just imagine how much we could learn if we could breathe underwater um yeah it's yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> we are super it's... lucky here in Australia to have um, the reef and to have um, such a diversity of marine mammals and sharks and fish and rays it's yeah yeah it is uh, truly amazing
0: just connect with them it's so like to connect with an animal especially I find in the water is just this insane feeling like the first time a whale you see a whale spy hop near you or when it's mugging it's just like you remember that forever yeah. like
1: it's yeah <laughs> you know, like, yeah
0: sentient being like he he knows what's going on or she like
1: it's magical yeah absolutely oh my gosh and you, by saying that you reminded me of yes my favorite time um on the water in the water it um was being mugged by a whale for the first time for about 40 minutes and being mugged is Um, sort of a funny term of being um, yeah yeah um, the (laughs) whale's interested in you and it's hanging around you and it's um, directly trying to interact with the boat and with the people on board so um, we were in a small dive boat doing research and this in this whale was just by himself we called him um, Nigel no friends but he made friends with us he definitely um, was hanging around our boat and spy hopping and coming up so so close that you could almost touch him like it was so oh. so beautiful and um, for an animal to sort of be like hey I'm gonna stop migrating or I'm gonna stop trying to find a girlfriend right now and I'm gonna <laughs> just check out these guys and start hanging out with them and I just think that that is so we are so um, lucky to have those interactions with animals when they choose to interact with you and I, I truly believe that um, that feeling that people Um, get when they see whales or see dolphins dolphins are such an iconic species that um, with anything with the water people think of and people people love dolphins and people um, are so inspired and become so happy and I think that these animals heal us like we literally can be in the presence of an animal and when we are connecting with that animal bonding with that animal they heal us and we heal them and we just it's like a whole different spiritual level with animals when you're really down to earth with them in the presence of them especially with such an exotic species like whales and dolphins and being able to dive or swim with them it's it's something that um is so valuable to us and um memorable for us and yeah it's amazing
0: it's almost like this indescribable feeling of just like pure magic like otherworldly where it's like you there's almost a moment where you're like is this real like mm-hmm. am i really experiencing <laughs> this like
1: yeah yep yeah absolutely yep um it's magical yeah and it's it, really it goes is. so slow but so fast at the same time yeah
0: i think i was diving down off cook's island when i was down there and we were with turtles which is just amazing in and of itself but i could hear this noise in the water and i came up and i looked at the girl I was diving with and I was like is that what I think it is and she's like it's humpback whales singing (gasps) and we could hear them and like see them breaching in the distance and we hopped back on the boat and tried to get back out there but we couldn't get to them in time before they decided to keep going but it was just getting to hear that sound Mm. and like I had my GoPro so I have like this video and like sometimes I'll go back and listen to it and it's just just unreal sounds like you just it's so magical
1: Yeah, it's it's like a nature's choir. Like I often during whale season just go out surfing and just um, don't do much surfing but just stick my head in the water. (laughs) Like um, listen. Yeah, or sometimes you can hear it amplify through your board and it's just yeah, you can not hold your breath long enough to just be able to sit. It's like it's like meditating under the water. Absolutely. Listening to humpback whales sing and communicate, listen to mothers and calves with each other and oh yeah it's, it's amazing I'm so glad that you were able to experience that
0: it's well it's such a different experience down there with whales than it is in the Bay of Fundy where I am because we get them when they're here to feed so they're very focused on their feeding whereas you yeah. guys get them on their migration and they're a little more excitable mm-hmm. and like having a little yeah. more fun so yeah, it's so yeah. nice to get to see that
1: It's so funny. You always want something that you can't have. I'd love to see humpback whales feeding. Um, But yeah, no.
0: You have to come visit.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think we'll have to arrange that.
0: Um, (laughs) It'll be in the summer, so it'll be nice and warm, a high 15 degrees. (laughs) (laughs) A little different Um, for you. (laughs) Very different. (laughs) All right. So Holly before we end off here do you have any like socials you want to plug? I will be linking the documentary for sure and sharing that on all my social platforms. But is there anything else you want to share like your Instagram or anything like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um so even like following myself like I often will post um any sort of ocean conservation related things or um often post things about shark nets as well. So um yeah, absolutely definitely if people want to follow um either myself or definitely the instagram page for the sharknet film um definitely go give that a follow um and also in respects to drishti studios who made the film definitely they've got some awesome um documentaries and um films out so uh give those guys a nice good follow as well but um yeah, so any links to YouTube and Vimeo, um, Facebook as well for the Sharknet film, um, basically all those um, <laughs> yeah, social media accounts. Yeah, definitely go for it.
0: Absolutely. I will have them all listed and share them on the Water Women podcast, Instagram and Facebook, as well as probably my own personal one because I just love supporting Holly. She's oh, awesome. You're
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> Thank the coolest so person much. ever. <laughs> I had your um the documentary as the link in my bio for Instagram for quite a long time and people have clicked on it and just messaged me and they're like oh this is so oh. cool like how can I learn more and I'm like oh go talk to Holly she's almost an expert on this how and so
1: amazing cool. oh see little things like that it's so hard to keep on top of um when people share things and when people are, um like showing the film at at um, schools and events it's so hard um, to keep on top of but it's so amazing when people get back to me and they tell me I'm often like please tell me if you're doing a screening <laughs> or you know if you're if you're showing it in Indonesia or like all these other different places like oh, all that feedback is amazing for me just to know that my message is getting out there and that hey I I am making a difference and we are all making a difference um, together so Oh, it's so awesome to hear that that link's in your bio. I didn't even know. So um, thank you so much for that. That's amazing. I greatly, greatly appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Well, you definitely are making a difference. And I'm so excited to be along for the ride and just see that. So I'm awesome. so happy to know you. And thank you again so much for being on this podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me and for the opportunity. And yeah, thank you for um, caring so much about it and sharing, wanting to share it to everybody.
0: I'd like to thank Holly again for taking the time to come onto the Waterwoman Podcast and share her knowledge of shark nets. All the information, including Holly's documentary, will be listed in the description as well as shared across all of the Water Woman Podcast social medias. You can find us on Instagram at Woman Podcast, on Facebook at Waterwoman Podcast, and on Twitter at Woman Pod, or check us out on our website waterwomanpodcast.weebly.com Thank you again for listening and stay salty